we're doing service a little bit different this morning because uh, I have a very important message I desire to give as well as something very special that I'd like all of us to do at the end of this message. And so in preparation for that and for what we're about to study, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this moment that we have in this worship service. Father, we understand that this is where worship begins. This is the most fundamental response of worship that we can give you. It is to hear your word, to trust it, and to obey. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us grace towards that end this morning. I pray that we would understand your word. I pray that we would be convicted and encouraged in our hearts And I pray that we would be empowered by your grace to respond and to obey in what you have before us as a church. Richly bless our time together in your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So James 1.22-25 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Here James pictures someone who hears God's word, but doesn't act on it, like a man who looks at himself in a mirror, but doesn't do anything about it. It is a pointless exercise. That's what James's point is. God has given us his word. Not simply to hear it, not simply to know it, but to obey it. That's why James immediately says in verse 25, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, God's blessing comes through doing his word, not just hearing it. That truth applies to us as a church as much as it does to us as individual believers. To hear the Word of God is just the start. We must be taking what we are learning and putting it into practice. And this morning's special service is an effort to do just that. We want to take what we have been learning for the last few months as a faith family, and we want to realize that I am not a professor in a classroom. I am a pastor in a church. And we want to put to practice what we have been learning in some very concrete ways. So we first need to ask ourselves, what have we been learning as a church? And let me give you a little bit of review this morning. If you recall, beginning in August of last year, we began studying what is the gospel and how to respond to it. Over a period of about 12 weeks, we learned that the exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that according to the pages of Scripture alone, sinners like you and I can be saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what makes every day worth living for a believer. Because we know that there is a way of salvation in Jesus. And God calls on everyone everywhere to respond to that saving gospel properly. How? Well, we learn next as a church from Acts 2, 41-42 at the day of Pentecost that there are four 
essential ways that we ought to respond to the gospel for the glory of God. We saw first that we ought to respond by believing, right? Believe. Admit that you are a condemned sinner before a holy God, just as God says of you. Believe that Christ alone and His work on the cross can forgive you of all of your sins and grant you access and eternal life before God in heaven. Commit your way to Him and yourself to Him as as your saving sovereign and Lord. Believe. Second way you respond to the gospel is be baptized, right? Those who received His word we saw in Acts chapter 2 were baptized. Go public with your faith. Don't hide. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but proclaim that you are in Jesus by entering into the waters of baptism. Don't stand on the sidelines anymore. As Scripture says, why do you delay? Rise and be baptized. Third, we saw another way to respond to the gospel is to be added. Those who received His word were baptized and there were added that day to their number about 3,000 souls. In other words, having identified yourself with Jesus Christ, identify yourself with Jesus' body, the church. Identify with those whom Christ identifies with. Commit yourself to those whom Christ has committed Himself to. Be added. Which leads to the final way to respond to the gospel for the glory of God, and that is, be devoted. Right? As those on the day of Pentecost immediately devoted themselves to building each other up through the Word of Grace, Scriptures, the throne of grace, prayer, and the fellowship of grace. Right? Genuine, godly Christian fellowship. We as believers and as members of the body of Christ and as members of Grace Chapel ought to devote ourselves to being everything we as a church family should be for the glory of God. This is how we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have been seeing what that looks like nearly every week in the book of Colossians. I would draw your attention once again to Colossians 1.28 where Paul wrote a very pivotal sentence regarding the nature of gospel ministry and of a Christ-exalting church. He said, Him that is Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom why. Here's his purpose statement. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. You see, according to Scripture, our purpose and mission at Grace Chapel is quite simple. Our mission as a church, Grace Chapel exists to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. Right? We don't get together as a church and say, I wonder what we want to be all about. That has already been declared to us in God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. First, we're called as a faith family, as a body of believers, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. before Jesus ascended into heaven, He said, go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations, right? As the church scattered, when we go out into the middle of the week, our mission is to proclaim the Word of Christ wherever we go and be used by God to draw sinners to Christ just as we were drawn. But as the church gathered, our mission is to mature the disciples that we make for the glory of God. That's why Jesus immediately says in verse 20 of Matthew 28 that after making disciples of, or while making disciples of all nations, we are to do what? We are to baptize them and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. 
In other words, we're to strive, just as we saw in Colossians 1.28, to present everyone mature in Christ. So our mission as a church is crystal clear from the pages of Scripture. We as Grace Chapel exist to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. But how do we accomplish that mission? Now that brings us to our means. Our means. We as a church work towards that mission of presenting everyone mature in Christ through three primary means, which I've already referenced. First is the Word of Grace, right? The Scriptures. Acts 20.32 says that it is by the Word of Grace that God builds us up into spiritual maturity. This is why we as a church focus on teaching and receiving the Word of God. Because we want to be spiritually mature in Christ. The second means towards spiritual maturity is the throne of grace. Jude verse 20 says that it is by praying, according to the Holy Spirit's power and will, that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. In other words, in prayer we find the grace and the strength that we so desperately need in our spiritual life. And so that's why, if you've been around our church for a while, you see that we focus also on praying. Praying before and after every activity. Praying at least four times during the worship service on Sunday morning. Praying during our evening growth groups. Praying during our Wednesday night prayer meetings. We do that. Why? Because we want to be built up in our faith in Christ. We want to stand mature. But the third means towards our mission of presenting everyone mature in Christ, and the focus that I want to... uh, emphasize this morning is the fellowship of grace it is the companionship and partnership of other believers we grow as followers of jesus christ as we minister to one another and as others minister to us we see this actually laid out in ephesians 4 11 through 13 and i'd like you to turn there this morning ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 through 13 To give you some context as you're turning there, in Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about all the provisions, all the gifts that God has given the church to be able to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So we have trusted in Jesus Christ, right? We are to live for the glory of God. God has given us as believers the church to live in community with so that we can live for His glory. And Paul is reciting all the different gifts God has given us in the church to be able to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And in verses 11-13, through Paul writes this, And He, that is God, gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. In other words, God gave all these leaders to the church to do what? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Why? For this result, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to what? To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, so in their mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ, spiritual leaders, leaders of the church, are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This verse teaches us something very important. Spiritual growth and maturity among the individuals is dependent upon the collective church. Spiritual growth and maturity among the body, that mission of making maturing disciples of Jesus Christ, only happens to the degree that every believer is engaged in one another ministry. 
See, we as believers achieve together a common growth, unity, faith, knowledge, and spiritual maturity, Paul says here, when we are all engaged in the ministry of building one another up. So this is the connection I want you to see here. If our purpose is to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ, then Ephesians 4, 12-13 teaches us that that mission is only achieved by working towards this goal. Every member a minister. Every member a minister. Every believer engaged in one another ministry for the glory of God. This is the environment that spiritual growth happens in. This is the only environment in which spiritual growth happens. You've heard it said that in organizations, it's often 10% of people that do 90% of the work, right? That's cute. But listen, that might work for an aloof organization, but that does not work for a living organism like the church. If you and I want to grow and become more like Jesus, then I need to be ministering to other believers, and other believers need to be ministering to me. This is how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ. We read this this morning. Every part of the body is indispensable. God has so composed the body that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So did you catch that? Paul is saying that every member, every person that is a part of our fellowship here at Grace Chapel is indispensable. Because God has designed our church to function with every member engaged in caring for one another. That is the only way any Christ-exalting church works. God has designed our church to be a place where every member's a minister. And this is not a radical concept. In fact, it's exactly what Paul teaches over in Romans 12, verse 4 and following. If you'd go ahead and turn there, Romans chapter 12. When he talks about how every believer ought to respond rightly to the gospel for the glory of God. In other words, what I want you to see here in this passage is that that concept of every member being a minister is not just, well, this is how to be a good church member. (laughs) What I want you to see from this passage here in Romans 12 is that every member being a minister is about how you live for the glory of God as a believer, just as a believer in Jesus Christ. Here in Romans 12, verse 4 and following, Paul is talking about how every believer ought to respond rightly to the gospel for the glory of God. And I want you to know that this is originally what this entire sermon was going to be about, but I had to restrain myself because it was supposed to be a shorter message. So, anyway, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. I want to give you some context. For 11 whole chapters, Paul has been declaring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the visions that you see in the book of Romans takes your breath away. They are visions of God's mercy upon mercy upon mercy towards sinners who do not deserve it. And after 11 whole chapters of glorious exposition, Paul comes to Romans chapter 12 and he finally says there, I appeal to you with these famous words, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, Paul's making an argument that God has shown His glory by giving everything to you. You show His worth by giving everything to Him. Give your soul, give your strength, your mind, and your will to God. Offer up your life as a living sacrifice to God. This is how you worship God. That's what he's saying. Now those are thrilling words. And I know that if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he has given you a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, you are responding in your heart saying, yes, I want to live that type of life for the glory of God. I want to give my life as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. But how? How? What do I do? Where do I turn? Where do I serve and give my life to you, God? Where? What's interesting is a lot of people like looking at Romans 12, 1 through 2, and they don't like looking at verses 3 through 8 because Paul answers that very question. Paul basically answers that question by saying, Have you taken a look at the local church? This is where you are to offer up your life as a living sacrifice to God. Paul says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, the measure of faith that God has assigned probably refers in context to the spiritual gift that God assigns and graciously gives to every believer. This is what 1 Corinthians 12, 7, which we saw this morning, states, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When you trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and in that moment, He empowers you for service in a very special way. And so Paul is basically saying two things here in this first verse. He's saying, first... Believer, don't think too highly of yourself, right? You need the church. You need the ministry of other believers in your life and in your walk with God. You cannot live the Christian life alone, disconnected from the body of Christ. Do not think too highly of yourself. But second, Paul is also saying, do not think too lowly of yourself. Think with sober judgment. God has given you exact gifts and abilities custom designed for you to build up the local body of Christ for the glory of God. So don't think that in light of other members in this church, you don't have anything to contribute, right? So one way that people don't get involved in church is they think, you know what, I've got everything I need for Christian life just right here. And I don't need the body of Christ. And I'll live life as a John Wayne Christian, right? And another way Christians excuse themselves from getting involved in a church is by saying, well, I just don't have anything to contribute. Everybody else is so much more gifted than me. And Paul's saying, stop that. Don't think too highly of yourself and don't think too lowly of yourself either. You, just like every other believer, have your own special but limited spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. And God has designed this church in such a way for you to in some way play a necessary part in that. Because look at what Paul says in verses 4-5. through He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So it's true. We look at our body. Not everything does the same things. My toes don't do the same things that my fingers or my tongue or my eyes do, right? They're very different. But yet they all play a very important part in my overall function of my body. Because each individual part of our body plays an important function in our overall body, none of us wants to lose a body part, do we? I should have brought up a cleaver and said, who wants to sacrifice your hand today, right? No matter how small our body part might be, none of us wants to lose it. Trust me, I almost lost my pinky toe one time. It was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Why? Because even though I never gave it much thought before until that moment, I'm rather attached to my pinky toe. If you gave me the choice, I'd rather live with my pinky toe than without it. I'd rather live with all my members than without one of them. Why? Because I realize, this is the point, because I realize that each and every member of my body has an important part to play. No part is indispensable. I cannot see my pinky toe dismembered from my body without having an emotional response. Right? No part is dispensable. So it is with the body of Christ, Paul says. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Just as every member, even a pinky toe, has a vital part to play in the physical body, so you and I have a vital part to play in the spiritual body of Christ as well. Therefore, beginning of verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. Let us what? Let us what? Every member a minister. This is how you respond to the Gospel for the glory of God, right? By becoming ministering members of the body of Christ. By taking the gifts God has given you and using them. This is how you give your life as a living sacrifice to God. It's not by saying, I love Jesus so much, I'm going to have nothing to do with His body and just start up my own parachurch organization over here that I'll give my life to. That is not what Christ has called you to. Christ has called you to identify yourself with those whom He has loved and devoting yourself to serving them and building them up for the glory of God in this world. Believer, you want to know where God wants you to serve Him and give your life to Him? He is calling you to do it right here. Right here in the body of Christ. I want to worship God then serve the church. Serve the church. I'll say it in a negative sense. I know exactly the level of your commitment to God by your level of commitment to the local church. I'll even pull it over a little bit more. Now, this is really unpopular popular for a pastor in our day to say, because it's cool to hate on church today, isn't it? But I know the degree to which you love Christ, and it's to the degree that you love His people, the church. Every member, a minister, you give your life as a living sacrifice to God. 
by giving your life in living sacrifice, as a living service to the body of Christ. And when the whole body of Christ responds to this way individually, right? The whole body, as we saw in Ephesians, grows and matures collectively. Collectively. So hopefully now you can see why our ambition here at Grace Chapel is to see every member be a minister. It's because our mission as a church is to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ, and that can only be achieved by working towards the goal of every member a minister. We've all got a vital part to play in this. None of us are indispensable to the body of Christ. And so because this is not just about hearing God's Word, but doing it and being blessed in our doing, we as your leaders... Here at Grace Chapel, want to do all we can to help you find your place of worship and service here that God has already created for you. It already exists, waiting for you to step into it. And we want to do our best to help you find that. And so today is one of the ways, one of the means by which we want to help do that. So here's the application to this message, right? You want to know what my application for this message is? It's what's on the other side of those doors, okay? So, our method We are deliberately ending this service early. And I did. Hallelujah. Because right through these side doors into Grace Hall, we have set up our first ever Grace Chapel Ministry Fair designed to equip all of you to put feet to the truth and find at least one or more areas in our church where we can serve and participate on a regular basis. So let me tell you how this is going to work. In a few moments, I'm going to say a closing prayer. And you're all going to be dismissed for the rest of the service time through these side doors into Grace Hall. There in the center of the room, we have some finger food and snacks set up for you to enjoy. So grab yourself a plate and then explore the rest of the room. In the hall, you'll see first a table with a really big basket on it uh, with some forms next to it. Those are the directory update forms that we mentioned in the church announcement. So if you're not in our church directory yet... Or if you are, but you suspect that you might need to have your phone number or email address updated, or if you're a junior high or high schooler that would like to be included in our church emails, fill out one of those forms, drop in the basket, we'll get that information updated. The second thing, and the main feature that you'll find through those side doors, is various booths set up all around the outskirts of Grace Hall. Each one of those booths represent one of the major ministry opportunities you can learn about and that believers in our church are involving themselves in here at our church right now. These booths are going to be hosted by a few representatives from each ministry who can tell you more about that ministry and answer any questions you might have. And though, and it's a joy to see what it looks like in there, even though each booth is going to be slightly different than the others with signage and decorations and resources and all that, there's going to be a sign-up sheet that you can put your name down on for whatever ministries you might be interested in learning more about and getting involved in here at the church. If you remember, if you've been in our church for a while, those little blue ministry forms that used to go in the mailboxes where you'd check what areas you'd be interested in serving, uh, that's what this is today. It's a a way to engage you and learn more about the ministries in that way. And so if you're interested in exploring and participating in a certain ministry here in our church, put your name down on a sheet so that we can know that you have an interest in serving there, and uh, we can follow up after that. And so are you ready to see this? I'm excited. It looks beautiful on the other side. It's an answer to prayer uh, that I've been praying for a long time. And so I'd encourage you to walk around, to ask questions, to just, goodness sakes, enjoy the fellowship with one another during these minutes, and most importantly of all, to prayerfully consider 
what area of ministry God might be calling you to serve in for this coming year for His glory in the local church of Grace Chapel. So that every member might be a minister towards making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, as the ministry fair volunteers are dismissed at this time to take their places in Grace Hall, let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the mercies that are ours in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank You that when we were blind to Your glory and blind to Your worth, You in Your grace opened our eyes to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. And now in light of that, we get to live a life of worship towards You. And so, Father, as there are many ways to worship You and serve You in this world, help us not to neglect the most important, central, vital way to worship You. And that is by serving those whom You love and by loving those whom You love here in the local church. So, Father, I pray that You would bless this time of fellowship. I pray that there would be many connections made between believers and those areas of giftedness, those opportunities that you have given them here at this church to be engaged in. And I pray that this would be a rich time of connection and learning and worship for your honor and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.